Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. We've got a, a period of time here with Ryan and his first year of ownership to go through this off-season process. So we need to get with him and give him a download and, and get everybody, get all of their thoughts after after a few days here. And then while we're, we're constantly in the front office, we're continuing to plan for the draft and free agency, but uh, getting everybody else after they've had a little bit of a break here to talk and then what's next. Changes for the Utah Jazz. And is it the first of a few, the first of many, the first of several? Where is this going? News breaking last night. Dennis Lindsay is moving into an advisory role. Justin Zanuck, the GM, will now assume day-to-day decision-making powers guiding the organization going forward. And many of you will say, well, how long is that for? Well, welcome to pro sports. Why does it happen? What does this mean going forward? How does it impact the negotiations with Mike Conley? How does it impact the NBA draft? What does it mean for free agency beyond Conley? There are so many questions. How much more reshaping will happen in the front office? Will Justin Zanuck be bringing more people aboard? Many questions, not a lot of answers right now. Good run for Dennis Lindsay. Day-to-day decision-making came in. In the wake of the Darren Williams trade, taking over from Kevin O'Connor, moving Paul Millsap and Jefferson and tearing it all down and starting over and getting back to the playoffs in three years, winning three playoff series in the last five years, but how to take the next step now. So many questions, and we've got all morning to get to them, all day here on The Zone. Uh, I think if you go big picture, you got to say that there are... Uh, multiple multiple reasons you get to this point on the path you know there are a lot of them and if any one of them changes does that really change the outcome or is this where it's destined to go we were talking last week about not knowing what ryan smith would do what he would value how quickly he would want to move what kind of owner is he going to be and so we get the first hint on that pk but still those questions about ryan loom with all the questions looming going forward Try now. Johnny. <laughs> nothing. There we go. How about now? <laughs> yeah, I don't have any particular questions, though. I mean, he's going to own the team and make changes along the way. From the fan perspective, what does it matter? And nobody cares who's calling the shots as long as the shots that are called are good. Right? Just I'm, win, baby. I'm a fan. And so what difference does it make? Who's in charge? Who's up burning the midnight oil? It, as long as they're making great draft picks and get an opportunity to be in the mix for free agents and and uh, whatever that means, high profile, middle profile, lower profile, you name it. Uh, I don't really see where this is beyond, oh, okay, from the fan perspective. What does it matter? As long as you bring in quality guys, 
And if you don't, well, then, yeah, then it's going to be a big deal. And there, and then you'll have more change. And then you look at what what's a quality uh, front office person. I look at myself as a back office person. So uh, it's like recruiting. You're going to miss. That's a guarantee. You're not going to hit uh, on a whole bunch. You got to hit on enough. And so going forward, can they maintain a quality level team that's going to be contending that's really all the fan cares about unless i'm wrong what all the other stuff okay that's it's all up to you decide whatever you want and then we'll judge you on the product on the floor it's a great thing about pro sports you know the record shows what it is every season every season you're evaluated based on your record and what you do in the regular season what you do in the postseason here regular season was outstanding the postseason it was decent, but obviously not good enough. Right? Yes. Not good enough. Okay. And is that is that why this is happening, or is there other stuff, or it comes down That's, to I, it all adds up? I don't really care about that. <laughs> Too much soap opera what, for you? What difference does it make? From, from the fan perspective, what difference does it make? I speak for the fans. I suppose the fans love to get caught up in some of the drama. And some fans feel like drama? they have some tie to Danny Ainge. What, what drama is Although that? I don't know, you know, if you're not going over to his house for dinner, what do you care? Do you really have a tie to him? How do you figure this is drama? I don't, I don't figure it's drama. It is what you make of it. I mean, it's. Not, I get that it's not to some people. I think some people are shrugging and like, well, tell me if Conley's re-upping. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the whole point. And I, and I totally get that. I did the drama. It's funny. Like, with I'm BYU football for all those years, or even Utah, if an assistant coach leads, we view that as drama. That, that happens all the time. Yes, and this happens all the time. Yeah, so that's why... By, by NBA numbers... I think Quinn's had a long run. So, well, I mean, not Quinn. Uh, Dennis has had a long run. Well, Quinn said, Quinn was just doing the thing where he said, you know, he figured out, you throw out the high and the low, you know, the interim coaches and the Popoviches and the average coach last two and a half years. Right. So he's had a long run. And I think the numbers would say the same thing about Dennis. So how does that equal trauma? Because I don't think in, it's trauma. In, in Utah, we expect everyone to go 15 or 20 years, yeah, which isn't the industry average by any means. No, that's why this yeah. is not drama. To me, I, I sort of shrugged. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. More on this coming up. More on the NBA right now. Hashtag NBA. Connaughton baseline, out to Tucker. Middleton for four threes in a row. Why not? Chris Middleton hits again. What an explosion by Middleton. Middleton against Gallinari. Going to work again. Lifting. Shooting. Got it! Why not? Middleton makes it a 10-point game. 112-102. He has 38. Chris Middleton. Big time down the stretch, 38 points, 11 rebounds. The Bucks were down by seven with seven minutes to go, and yet one by 11. They dominated the end of that game, a 25-7 run to close. Now they're up two games to one on the Hawks. Anthony Kempo had a big night too, but overshadowed by a Middleton shooting performance there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he got hot. Huh? Good for him, man. 
Ada DeCampo finishes with 33 points and 11 rebounds. You got a lot of confidence in Milwaukee now, or it's uh, first one to four, and you're not signing off on anything. You're ready for more twists and turns. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I have one confidence in one versus the other. If that's what you're asking. I mean, Middleton got extremely hot, and that that's great for for the Bucks, obviously. You know what? Is he going to do it again? Was he, he had been averaging like 15 points a game, wasn't it? Something like that in the series. So he's supposed to continue to do that. Right, so this is an example. Middleton was the uh, 39th pick, so he's in the second round. Who's the brilliant GM that drafted him? <laughs> Nobody knows, you know. Uh, and in Milwaukee, they know. Uh, so that's why I don't think the other thing is drama. You got a nice player here drafting 39th. Get a nice player when you draft 39th. 2012 would have been before Justin Zanuck went there. So, be funny if the answer were Justin Zanuck. He was there for two years, but that's later. It wasn't that early. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Tonight, the Suns try to close out the Clippers. Game five tonight. That game got stuck on 71-70 Saturday night for the longest time. And the Suns finally able to eke out the win right there. That was a, could you feel the pressure, all the tension down the stretch there as the Clippers tried to, tried to tie that series up, and nobody could make a basket. Lids, yeah, lids I, on both of them. I saw the tension, the tension when Monty Williams called a timeout, and then they had a dunk for Andre Ayton. <laughs> Please get the ball to Andre Ayton if you're not hitting your outside shots. How many times do I got to tell you? Are you going to pay attention? Are you going to listen ever? Apparently, Monty's listening to you. Yeah. You have more credibility in the Valley of the Sun. Doesn't make any sense. Your voice echoes through that valley. If you're hitting your shots a la Chris Middleton, fire away. But if you're not... Get eight in a dunk. Yeah, get him the ball. I said it after game four, three, I guess it was. Now I say it again. And I'm watching that game, and yeah, Clippers were 0 for 12 with a chance to uh, either tie or take the lead. And there's something like 3 of 21 in that situation in the game. I don't think they have a player of the caliber of Aiton in the middle there. They don't seem to run anything for Zubach. They just uh, take him and, you know, whatever junk he can accumulate. That's great. Uh, but Aiton is a player, and he's coming into his own. Clearly, he's developed now. You know, this is his third year. He gave Chris Paul a lot uh, of credit. Uh, and, that, and that's fine. Yeah, I would give whoever uh, on that dunk uh, to win the game, I'd give Jay Crowder credit. <laughs> and uh, on this one, give Chris Paul. But he's he's developing into a player, and you've got to take advantage of him. He can't just be an offensive rebound guy or uh, in a situation where they, they, you know, they watch a defensive assignment. I think he's got to be looked for, particularly in situations where the ball is not dropping. And on that 71-70, that's exactly what the situation dictated. Portland Trailblazers announced the hiring of the Clipper assistant coach, Chauncey Billups. He'll be their new head coach. He gets a five-year contract. He'll be introduced officially tomorrow. And now, Damian Lillard. What about How are they going to build around him? How are they going to break through to the next level? Out in the first round five times in eight years. I don't know if they are. Yeah, I agree. Unless there's some big personnel move out there, right? Well, that, that move has to involve him. So you're asking building around Lillard. Now, if you trade Lillard, you're not building around him. 
I don't know that they... But, you know, it's hard to say never, never and those types of things in pro sports. Two, three years can make a massive difference. So you really don't know. But right now, as we sit here this morning, I don't see much difference going forward. They have a nice team. And they're but, destined to lose in the playoffs but every they're, year. they're in the West. And nice team's going to get you beat in the first or second round. Yeah, I don't round. know that they have a good enough team in the East either. Uh, I just don't know that they're deep enough. I don't know what their overall talent level is that can go beyond what they've already achieved. It's not like they've underachieved. I don't think they've underachieved by any stretch. You know, maybe they, pretending on a particular matchup, they can win a, a, a round. A couple years back, they got beyond that. I would look to, to move him. I would look to move anybody, though, in the right deal. It's just that the better the player, the more difficult the right deal exists. Billionaire Philip Anschutz has agreed to sell his 27% stake in the Lakers to two of the Dodger owners. The 81-year-old billionaire selling to Mark Walter and Todd Bowley. $1.35 billion. That's their stake. Which means the team is basically worth about $5 billion ballpark. Well, over four or under five, I guess. That's a pile of cash. Sure is, yeah. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Shohei drives that one left field. It's well struck. Tracking to the wall. Gone! 25. Incredible. Grossman waiting on the first offering on the way. Bunting. Badu coming home. Flip to the plate. Not in time. Head first slide. Tigers win. The safety squeeze. And the Tigers walk it off. Going into this, once once it came up, I was just like, I'm going to use rosin. That's what that's what we got. I don't want this to be a big thing. I don't want this to happen to me. So, um, and he said he just feels some stuff sticky on the inside of the glove. Um, so all I used was rosin. I mean, I used it on both sides, arm sweat, trying to keep that sweat from dripping down to the hands. I mean, that's the only thing I, I, I use rosin. That's about it. I only use rosin, PK. That's what he said. Hector Santiago, Mariners reliever, becomes the first MLB pitcher ejected during the sticky substance crackdown. They won the game 3-2. to two. But that's it. 85-90% humidity. He used rosin. That's what they said. Shohei Otani, home run number 25 on the season. That ends the Angels' five-game losing streak as they beat the Rays 6-4. So is Otani going uh, to just mash now? You 100% in on this guy at the plate? Yeah, they, he's put together a fine season. You know, he's had injury. And he needed development, he needed transition time. You know, I would have been shocked if he would have come over and been a superstar immediately because he was a younger guy. Some of the other guys that have come over have been older. And so they've had a number of years to establish themselves in the Japanese league, which, you know, I don't study that league, but it's obvious the premier players in that league are pretty good on any level. We've seen that through a number of guys. He was a much younger dude, relatively speaking, and you're probably going to see that more often, the younger guys, because there has been a precedent now. So now when a a star Japanese player comes over and has a level of success, whatever that success level is in the big leagues, it's not really uh, an uh, eyebrow raiser anymore. 
So, yes, as long as he stays healthy, he's putting together a fine, fine season. I mean, he's going to be an all-star. He's going to be attraction. He's fresh. He's new and all that stuff. It's fun to watch him. He's one of the younger guys in the big leagues that you want to watch. So I expect him to continue to play very well to answer your question. Oakland beats San Francisco 6-2. Giants were going for the sweep. They don't get it. They give up a game to the Padres and the Dodgers. Dodgers Beat the Cubs 7-1 as Clayton Kershaw strikes out 13. And Fernando Tatis with a go-ahead double as the Padres beat the Diamondbacks 5-4. Padres wrap up a homestand going 9-1 in the 10-game homestand. They are are crushing it at home, but uh, the road's been a little bit more of a challenge. (laughs) I'm sure our listeners need to know that. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for that. You're welcome. The walk-off bunt. You don't see that every day. Heard that in the highlight montage right there. Tigers beat the Astros 2-1. Robbie Grossman bunting home the game-winning run in the 10th inning. Little chance to play small ball with the runner starting at second base. Whatever it takes. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. So many chances, but only one goal. RSL splits the points with the Houston Dynamo, a 1-1 tie. Outshot them 21-7. Shots on goal 13-2, but only put one of them in the back of the net. Frustrating, PK. Got to convert more opportunities than that. Well, at least for you, it wasn't pointless. Nice. Got a point. Yeah. As opposed to getting nothing out of the trip to Seattle. Right. According to their coach, that was pointless. And I agreed completely. RSL will be back in action Saturday night hosting LAFC at Rio Tinto Stadium. DJ and PK. This is awesome. I mean, the fans are keeping us in it, um, getting the juice from them. It's been awesome really all afternoon. And uh, hats off to Kramer. What a competitor. Uh, We're both grinding out there making making those six, seven-footers and what it all was all about. I mean, we were, we were grinding and uh, trying our hardest and, and went seven holes or eight holes. I don't know how many went, but uh, that was in- incredible. What, a, what an experience, and um, the fans are awesome. Um, they're always great here in Hartford, and glad we got to give them a little little show at the end. Golf. Harris English at the Travelers Championship, beating Kramer Hickok in an eight-hole playoff. Harris English wins for the second time this season, but that's not the story. Tied for the second-longest sudden-death playoff in PGA Tour history. There were putts to win it that burned the edge. There were pressure putts to keep it going that went right in the heart of the hole. That was pretty entertaining, PK. Yeah, eight, and then it became, as it continued... Uh, you know, what is the record? And, of course, they put the graphic on television that I think that's the sixth time it's happened. Uh, the record is 11. Yep. Yeah. If this was college football, we would call that eight overtimes. Yes. <laughs> Longest in 35 years. The 11-hole playoff was back in 1949. And that one was declared a tie. They were co-winners at the old Motor City Open. Yeah, they were running out of daylight there back east, obviously. And it was fun to see, man. The uh, Kramer crowd chanting his name. 29 years old, so he's not that young. Uh, A roommate of Jordan Spieth's when they were at the University of Texas before Spieth took off. Kramer stayed there all four years, I believe, and actually got a degree and 
You saw his wife. He's recently married, and so he was somewhat of the underdog. Harris English may not be a big name on the tour, but I think he's an established name. And so he got the job done, and, and it was fun to have the fans. You know, I was thinking, wow, that would have really sucked if the fans weren't there like they weren't able to be for so many times over the last year or so. But the fans being there, and you can see from the blimp or the helicopter, whatever it is, after each hole, the fans running to the next one. So that was fun to watch. Uh, and it, and then once you're in, at like, if you joined it, say you were watching it, you probably stayed with it, but if you joined it at like hole one or two, how did you turn off? You couldn't have turned off. No. You had to stay I came to the conclusion. To it, I came to it late. I think yeah. they were at uh, 16 or 17, and you had to. And it was fun. And I was at work, and there are other golf fans there, and everybody's laughing and roaring. And we're all waiting for the news to start. Nope, they're going another hole. That's another 15 minutes. Yeah, and, I, and I, Nance was right, and he said you want it to end on a bird, not on a bogue. Yeah. And that's the way it did. All right, DJ and PK, that is What is Trending, brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. We are broadcasting live this morning. Golf tournament for the Salt Lake Chamber at Jeremy Ranch. We are joined now by Jake Hanley. He is the head golf pro here at Jeremy Ranch. And, Jake, when people find out what they do, are are they a little jealous? (laughs) <laughs> I know when people find out what we do, they get a little jealous. I wonder if that happens to you, too. It, it does happen from time to time. It, it's pretty cool when you get to do what you love, and when it's based around golf, it's even better, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. So what's going on here today? Yeah, we got Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce here today. Got beautiful weather, golf course in great shape, two shotguns. It's going to be an awesome day. So it's all about the lack of rain, the drought, and all of that, and the high heat. And uh, does the heat bother the course at all, or you're up high enough, you're not getting the worst of it, and you talk to pros at other courses without the elevation? It's a different deal for you. It, it, it is a little bit of a different deal. We're still in the high 40s, low 50s at night, which helps us out quite a bit. And we're seeing you know high temps in the mid-80s versus 100. What, what heat? Yeah, I know. You're from Phoenix. You don't want to hear it. <laughs> he, does, he does 117. He's like, ah, I don't want to hear about it. I that. heard it was 115 in Canada yesterday. Uh, I know Portland's had a 111-degree day. It was supposed to get to 114 in Portland. So Yeah, unbelievable heat all over the place. There's a heat dome over the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah. Not, it hasn't been 100 degrees here, right? What, wasn't in, it like a week in, ago? In, no, here. Oh, here, here in Jeremy? In Utah, here. but not in oh, Jeremy. Oh, Jeremy Ranch. No, it, it, yeah. we, we go to 85, and it's sunny right. every day. Right. It's so, just perfect. Well, play yeah. ball. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Grass is growing. Birds are chirping. Yeah. Sun's so for out. people who haven't been up here, give them your favorite hole. Yeah, absolutely. So my favorite hole would probably be hole number five. And... Reason being, we had dinner here with Arnold Palmer back in 2000, and Mr. Palmer, he said his favorite hole was number five. And I said, well, why was that? And he said, there's so much character to it. It's a hole that you can remember, and that always stuck with me. I've I've been up here at Jeremy since 1996, and Mr. Palmer is a hero of ours, you know, here at the club, of course, and this is a signature course. It's the only one in Utah, actually. Um, I think the, the most common answer is probably hole four or 18 here. Um, beautiful holes. We've seen great championship finishes on 18 here, but uh, hole five for me. Yeah. How about you? I've only played it one time. Yeah. So, yeah, which is for the par three that you hit down Down the, the hill. I had a little problem there. <laughs> Good tee shot, gagged a three-foot putt. 
Oh, I know that can happen there. Oh, that it did. It, and it did does. to me. Yeah. yeah. So what is it about five? You just describe it to the listeners. a little. Yeah. Bit. So it's down the hill in a valley. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind of separated from the other holes on the golf course. There aren't any homes on it. Um, it's beautiful. It's it's a nice wide landing area for your tee shot. And then you've got a little bit downhill uh, approach. And then you get to the green. And that's kind of where the fun really begins. Um, it's it's got some undulation to it, and it's just got a lot of character to good. it. Okay. Beautiful hole. Well, we appreciate you having us up here, and good luck with the tournament today. How Great many to tournaments, see you guys again? How many yeah. tournaments do you have over the course of the summer? So we'll have 18 this year. Okay. Last year we had 12. And we hosted the State Am, which was great. Kind of moved that back into September, where typically you see it in June. Um, but we're we're full force again this year, every Monday, and yeah, All right. it's going to be a great great season. All right. Well, have a good summer. Thanks for having us up here. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Good to see you. Appreciate right. it. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are broadcasting live from Jeremy Ranch this morning. That's Jake Hanley, the head golf pro here at Jeremy Ranch as the Salt Lake Chamber shows up for their annual tournament. All right. We will be back with the question of the day on the way. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.